Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honoured if you would join us. Hello there, indeedy, Star Wars fans. Hope you're all keeping well and safe. Welcome to Spark of Rebellion. This is episode 58. It's my turn to fly solo this week. Mark is uh, off doing uh, Marky things. Done a busy one. So uh, it's, uh, it's me flying the Falcon solo this week. Thank you very much, dude, for last week. Sorry I couldn't be there, but I really enjoyed last week's show. All good stuff. Uh, hearing about your thoughts and your uh, your sort of uh, introduction to Star Wars and what it means to you and, and all that stuff. So if anyone that's not checked out last week's show where Mark uh, dives into and digs into uh, his journey into Star Wars, uh, check that out, episode 57 from last week. Now I'm going to do a similar thing this week because I wanted to uh, give uh, just a very short intro into my uh, love of The Empire Strikes Back. I didn't get a chance to wish it happy birthday properly last week on the last show. Uh, so I'm going to do that and I'm going to wrap up a little bit of news as well. There's uh, three or four things that, uh, that have dropped in the last week, which I think are worth uh, talking about. So I hope you are all keeping well and safe. We are, I think, slowly coming out of the whole COVID-19 uh, weirdness and lockdown stuff. It is a little bit of a, a strange time still, but I, I really hope that uh, I know I speak for Mark when I say this as well. But I hope that you're all you're all safe and that you're managing managing to do something uh, something Star Warsy to keep your mind off things and keep you sane and and whatnot. Uh, so before we get cracking with this week's show, as always, I'd like to say a huge thank you to our. Patrons who support our show, thank you so much. As Mark said last week, we've we had a couple of newbies that jump on board uh, over the last couple of weeks. So thank you very much to you guys and to all of our other patrons. Very, very much appreciated. We love you guys. And if you want to support the show, if you like what we do here, then head over to patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. There are various tiers there. You can get yourself some SOR swag. I know that a couple of our recent patrons haven't got that yet, but that's because we can't get into... So where Mark has his uh, rebel-based media business up in Sheffield, that's obviously been on lockdown for a while now. So he hasn't been able to get in there and and uh, and swipe some of the the swag for you. But I know that that's on his plan uh, as a as a priority almost when he can get back in the studio and stuff. So those of you that have jumped on board recently, don't worry, it will be on its way to you. Uh, it's just you know lockdown and all that rubbish. But he will, um, he will get that out to you ASAP as soon as he can get back in there. We'd love to have you as a, as a patron. So head over to uh, the Patreon pages. Like I said, various tiers there and you can get various things for the show. Remember to subscribe to our show on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcasts on. Just do a search of Spark of Rebellion. You'll find us on there. We'd love to have you as a sub as well. That way you won't miss a show when that lands every single Saturday morning. 
Uh, also head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. Uh, our host, Mark's company, Captivate, they work up this really, really cool uh, page that just lists out all of the different podcast apps and networks with buttons and links to go off to all of that stuff. So super easy to find us on your uh, on your uh, preferred podcast app. That's all good. And we're on the socials too. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. There are links on the website, sparkrebellion.com or just do a search for us on there. Spark of Rebellion, you'll find us on there. Chat Star Wars throughout the week and post little tidbits and whatnot. So it'd be lovely to have you as a as a member of that community as well. And we've got some stuff coming later on in the year for that as well. So going to mention things like Discord, some other bits and pieces. So keep an ear out for that stuff. So the community around SOR is building really nicely. Our, our listening, um, unique listeners and the amount of subs is growing steadily as it has been since we launched and uh, we've got another couple of patrons who have jumped on so everything's great for sor and that's all down to you guys so thank you so much for everyone that's listened or subscribed or um has interacted with us over on the social socials in whatever way it's all very much appreciated thank you so much guys so on with the show with episode 58 like i said it was really good listening to mark last week going through his thoughts on The Empire Strikes Back at 40 years old and Revenge of the Sith at 15, and his thoughts on uh, the sort of the interconnectivity between storylines and characters. That seems to be the thing. Anyone that's listened to this show now for a while will know that Mark is very, he's very much into his uh, sort of multi, multi-medium storytelling and interconnected stuff. And the things that, things that excite Mark are uh, don't get me wrong, he loves all of the, the Star Wars films and stuff, but what really gets him going is the um, the relationships between certain people that span across these different eras between the prequels and sequels and stuff. And, you know, things like the uh, the Anakin story, he loves all that stuff. And it's interesting to hear that he's, uh, he's well, initially more of a prequel guy as well. That's kind of interesting. You You hear that, you know, seldom these days. You know, a lot of people... Maybe, maybe not a lot of people, but a lot of people of our generation. Uh, Mark and I are in our uh, late thirties, so our our generation of Star Wars fans is usually like the OT guys who uh, just moaned and bitched about the prequels for years, and then slowly sort of came around to appreciate the prequels and stuff and and all that. So it's really interesting to hear Mark say that he was more of a prequel guy, and the reason that he got into that is because. Uh, seeing the poster in the cinema of young Anakin and his shadow being cast was Vader's and stuff. And, and, uh, and he's sort of really dives into the mythology side of things. And so anyone that's seen any of the old documentaries around the OT, there's a really good one that I bang on about all the time. Uh, Empire of dreams. Uh, there's a, there's a five or six segment uh, minute segment in that documentary where, uh, George Lucas explains, about the research that he did for Star Wars and uh, Joseph Campbell's books and attending some seminars of his and talking to him about good old-fashioned storytelling and the old the old myths and legends that make their their way into stories over the generations that make them timeless and stuff. So that's really cool. I'm with Mark on that one. I love all that stuff. And uh, I know that Mark's picked up the, I think it was one of the Joseph Campbell books he picked up recently. I've got one of them somewhere. Very, very cool stuff. So that was kind of Mark's journey. He fleshes it out a lot more. You have to listen to last week if you've not listened to that yet. But uh, in terms of 
Empire turning 40. I wanted to give you my thoughts on that. So Empire is a really special film for me. Although A New Hope is my favourite of all the Star Wars films, uh, it's followed very closely by Empire. But Empire does hold a very special place in my heart because it's the first... It's the first Star Wars film that I can remember seeing stuff from and having a very vivid memory of a couple of scenes that I that I'd saw, I'd seen when I was very young uh, on posters uh, and merchandise and stuff. So it's uh, it's like the first exposure that I had to the Star Wars universe, and uh, I, I didn't know I didn't know this at the time, but I was born in 1980, beginning of June. And The Empire Strikes Back had came out just before that. So uh, in the US, I believe, um, uh, at the end of May, I think around the 20, 21st of May, 1980, that's when Empire first landed uh, in the US. They did this kind of weird, um, actually, no, it's not weird at all. They did this at the time anyway, this revolutionary thing of, okay, how do we drum up some... some uh, excitement and how do we get sort of everyone sort of rocking and rolling ready for the release so i think what they did was instead of doing just the standard release so with a new hope or star wars as it was just known back then as you know they did just the standard run not not many theaters wanted to do it but the ones that they did get into they did a standard you know daytime release and people queued and stuff when it came around to empire they did this thing that's actually really commonplace these days but they said you know let's how do we get something some um some hype going and some excitement and stuff so what they did was uh not at the chinese man's theater but the egyptian theater in la they did one of the first midnight showings so they opened the they opened the film up uh, at midnight and then they just ran it back to back continuously for an entire day so 24 hours just re rerunning <laughs> the empire strikes back at that theater, which is really cool. So that was all happening just before I was born. And then as I was born, it just so happens as a coincidence, that empire was the number one film, obviously uh, of my, uh, when I was born. And then when I grew up and started watching cartoons, as you do as a young lad and all that stuff, I remember very sort of hazy, my early memories of early cartoons and stuff. But the first kind of real vivid memory I've got of something science fiction and a bit more adult than than cartoons anyway was The Empire Strikes Back. I remember a few years later, I think it was either it was either Christmas Day morning or Boxing Day morning. I can't remember exactly what it was. It must have been around, crikey, 1984, 1985, possibly 86. I'm not sure. But I remember them putting it on the TV back in the day when in the UK we only had four channels. And I think it was either Channel 4 or ITV, one of the two. Uh, well, memory really isn't that good. But I remember missing, I didn't watch the first sort of 10, 15 minutes. I remember that much. But I do remember walking through the living room and it was just on. My mum wasn't into sci-fi. She wasn't into that. But it was just on in the background. I think one of my elder brothers was staying with us at the time and he must have put it on and it was just there. I remember walking through the living room and seeing... Darth Vader coming down the, uh, walking through somewhere. And there was like stormtroopers and stuff. I can't remember what scene it was, but I remember just being like immediately 
uh, just fixed on what was happening. Like my eyes went you know, huge and I was like, whoa. So I remember that very vividly and then sitting cross-legged about a foot away from the TV and just watching it nonstop until the end. Uh, so that that's like my early, so that's why it's kind of special to me because it invokes those kind of early memories of, of a time when I was just a wee lad and my sister was a little bit younger than that and those all like sort of memories of my mum and, you know, back in the early days and stuff. So it invokes a really nice sort of nostalgia, a nostalgic feel for me. And then growing up, Empire's always been one of those films that, uh, along with everything else to do with Star Wars, obviously, Empire just seems to be the one that invokes like the creative spark within me as I've sort of grown older as a creative professional, I guess you could call me, uh, or a designer, whatever. You know, I always go, but you know, all all roads lead back to Star Wars in some in some shape or form, and uh, not just Empire, but you know, when I'm sort of coming up with designs and stuff and trying to get inspiration from things and looking around, nine times out of ten, I'll end up looking at something to do with with Star Wars, and that usually leads to Empire. I think because Empire's got such a such a, a huge breadth of. Uh, uh, sort of creative style. So with A New Hope, um, A New Hope was quite confined in its sort of visual language and visual um, sort of creative direction, I guess, because you've either got like the desert scenes and that was like very light yellow and sandy and light blues with the sky. and Or you've got the uh, the ships, which was like white walls and stuff. Or you've got the Falcon, which is light grey. The only sort of contrast so that was the, the the trench run where you've got like the blackness of space in the background and the death stars like a dark gray and stuff this is a bit like you know wishy-washy designer stuff but uh, with empire there was just such a bigger you know the, a much larger um sort of creative direction really you've got all that light stuff going on with hoth and everything and then sort of goes darker with dagobah or leoda and all that stuff but then it's like these bright oranges and purple hues when they're on Bespin and everything. And then you've got the blackness of space going on and all sorts. It was just, and also the intro, like when we saw like the, the AT-ATs and um, uh, the Bounty Hunters and Boba Fett's ship and the Tauntauns and so much stuff is just going on. And, you know, Yoda as a species and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, so just so much was going on. So I very, very frequently reference a new hope. And it's just something that as Star Wars fans, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that we, we grow up with. We just grow up with it. It's been part of our, uh, kind of, uh, makeup if you like. Um, and it's just not, not just me. I'm not just talking as a, as a designer or, a uh, as a digital artist or, or anything like that. Loads of people have all, you know, in lots of different industries have said that, Star Wars influences um, uh, what they do, even if it's not something to do with design. Like when you're, when people have come up with like names for companies, um, it's a coincidence, but I've literally just thought that when Mark launched his company for podcast hosting and growth and all that stuff, it's no coincidence that he called his company Rebel Base Media. You know, and I know of other people who have called their like freelance side projects and freelance careers, you know, something to do with Star Wars and. Uh, years ago, there was a, uh, any web developers might know of, um, there was a cloud-based 
uh, development um, IDE or, or tool, whatever you want to call it, uh, which was called Bespin because it was cloud-based. I think it went on to become brackets or something like that. So, you know, this goes on to the bigger picture of Star Wars sort of penetrating, you know, uh, uh, professionalism as well as pop culture and stuff. That's a whole wider thing that Mark and I can talk about. But I'm just, I'm trying to say that like Star Wars and Empire has is, is, is followed me um, through my sort of younger years and teens and into now my professional year as a designer, uh, professional life as a designer and stuff. It's just followed me and I, I, and I love it for that. I, I love the fact that, as Mark said last week, these are th- all these things that I've described and spoken about. These are all things that will never, never get old. And, and, and my kids, as I'm talking about things that they want to do, like, you know, um, when my, my son's doing his homework, uh, anything to do with media studies or film, anything like that. Ultimately, you know, at some point the conversation drifts into Star Wars a little bit and that's all good. And uh, they're video gamers themselves, so they, you know, they've played their fair share of uh, Star Wars video games, you know, uh, back in the uh, the early years, like Lego Star Wars, all that stuff. You know, and we, we, we owe all that, all of that stuff to these earlier films. And uh, even if you're not an OT guy, even if like Mark, you're... Um, at first, you were more into the prequels because you were interested in uh, the story and how that progressed with Anakin and all that stuff. I think at some point or other, you do you do kind of make your way into the into the OT, and then you learn to love that stuff. And yeah, you kind of learn to to appreciate all of the stuff that's going on nowadays with like the Mandalorian and the new Clone Wars stuff and the things they've got coming up in the pipeline. You know, like I said earlier, all roads lead back to the OT and uh, and that stuff so there we go the empire strikes back so to me it's uh it, it's a very special film it's um yeah it's just something that's been part of me as for long as i can remember my, my earliest mem one of my earliest memories is the empire strikes back so and uh yeah it makes me feel very old saying that because along with empire i'm turning 40 this year so we've kind of uh mature together is the best way i can put it uh myself and and the film we've uh yeah we've been good buddies over the years it's kept me company a lot of times uh throughout my life so uh a big a big special thank you a big happy birthday belated happy birthday to uh to empire turning 40 and then as uh mark touched on as well can't forget revenge of the sith that turns 15 so that that was uh, an interesting one revenge of the sith for me personally because in the run-up to that film, I always wondered how they were going to overlap or tie in the OT to that film because at that point, they'd gone back in time quite a bit and it was very, very separate other than a couple of key characters like Obi-Wan and Vader or, uh, sorry, uh, Obi-Wan and Palpatine. There wasn't much going on at all. They completely diverged from what I thought they were going to be doing with the prequels anyway. So I thought for some reason, <laughs> I don't know why, I thought that when we got to kind of halfway through what was ultimately going to end up being the second film, Attack of the Clones, I thought we were going to start to see Stormtroopers and the Death Star being built and, and all that stuff. For some reason, I just thought that we were going to see kind of the things that we saw in Rogue One, I guess. I thought we were going to see that stuff in the in the prequels and they were going to really start to overlap the 
the the beginning and the run up to a new hope with Revenge of the Sith, but we didn't really get that really. It's kind of weird because we have the I mean the the last 10 15 minutes of Revenge of the Sith are very much uh, okay right now, you know, we're, they they're going to tie it all up in a nice little bow. We we've done all of that stuff with Anakin becoming Darth Vader and uh, Padme dying and and all that. And now right now we're going to hand off Luke and Leia and we're going to set you up nicely to go into a new hope. I got that. So it was kind of a weird one because I thought we all knew that Vader was coming. We all knew that this was the film where Anakin would ultimately make his journey com- complete to the dark side. We all knew that was coming. and uh, But we just didn't know when. So uh, because of the genius of, of, of the writing for Palpatine and that character, we knew that the manipulation had already started way back but it was just how much he was going to ramp that up and how much he was going to offload onto, onto Anakin from his own personal wants, really. Because uh, Mark and I have spoken about this many times with how great we think the character of Palpatine is. And um, so yes, yeah, so it was great to see Palpatine's journey in that film as well. I know the focus is on Anakin becoming Darth Vader. But it's also great to see the great manipulator, you know, uh, Palpatine, going through the motions and all of the little pieces of the jigsaw falling into place from his point of view, you know, everything's uh, coming to plan and culminates with sort of some big transformations, really like the Jedi council is no more. And uh, Obi-Wan's now sort of lost to a degree. He's like out on his own. He needs to look after Luke and watch out for him, but it's not really much else to do on Tatooine, which is why that book Obi-Wan is so good because you know, we were fools to think that Obi-Wan's just going to sit there cross-legged for the entire time that he's on Tatooine until, um, until Luke shows up with, um, with the droids later in A New Hope. So, uh, yeah, it's That book's great at fleshing that stuff out. And then we've got, uh, yeah, obviously the Anakin to Vader stuff. So the, the film itself is, is, uh, I, I think it's still one of, I think it's still my favorite of the prequel, um, era. I've, uh, I, I think it's just got such a great feeling to it. And I remember in the run up to it as well, I remember George Lucas being an, interviewed. I think it was either for a magazine. It was either Empire Magazine here in the UK or might have been something on TV. I can't remember exactly. But I remember getting hyped up for it because George Lucas said something along the lines of, basically, this one's not going to be pretty. You know, we're, we're going to have to go quite dark in this one so the the films that you've seen thus far in the prequels have been you know fairly light and fluffy the whole sort of young Anakin and Jar Jar and stuff it's all very although there's some dark stuff in there with Palpatine and and Darth Maul and stuff and the death of Qui-Gon overall it's a fairly light and fluffy affair and Attack of the Clones is a similar thing it's very um you can you can see the plans sort of slowly progressing forward and all that but you know it's um still nowhere near as dark as as sith and then yes i remember george lucas saying you know it's really not going to be pretty watching anakin make his transition through to darth vader we're going to have to you know say goodbye to a couple of people and it's it's just going to be a more darker affair so i think yeah this sounds awesome and i remember uh when i first saw that at the cinema i was uh, i was yeah, even though I, 
in my head I was thinking, this was before even Attack of the Clones came out. In my head I was thinking, you know, how are they going to overlap this with A New Hope and the original trilogy? I, by the time Sith actually landed, I knew that wasn't going to be the case too much. So that didn't bother me too much. But then I thought, yeah, this is a cracker. This is a decent film. Like Amazing soundtrack, as always, from John Williams. And yeah, that fight with Obi-Wan and Anakin is just so good. Yeah. So, yeah, so Revenge of the Sith at 15, Empire at 40. Huge, huge happy birthdays to all that stuff and those uh, and those films that have kept us... Uh, Kept us company over the years. Time for some news. Let's do a little bit of news. There's a few stories that have been out over the last week or so that I just thought I'd mention uh, just because uh, by the time Mark and I get to record next week, I feel like there'll be old news. And I want to keep you guys in the loop on what's going on. So first of all, Mark Hamill has uh, explained a little bit about why his time as Luke Skywalker is officially done so we we reported a a couple or a few weeks ago that the little signed letter that went out i think in one of the special editions uh, over in the us but then somebody put it online signing off as luke skywalker like a little hand signed note in something and uh a lot of people have said well no no this can't be you know you know the great luke skywalker are you sure are you sure you can't come back, you know, and do some other stuff? Uh, and Mark Hamill has, has put that to rest, really. So I'm going to uh, quote a little bit here. He said, because um, uh, it led on from a tweet to say that uh, uh, that the uh, episode nine is bittersweet for him because he knew that it would be uh, the very last time that he would play Luke Skywalker. And a lot of people jumped on that and said, you know, there's a chance you could come back and they can write it in a certain way for you to come back in certain things and all that lot. And he's basically said, no, he can't imagine that at all. He's saying that from his point of view, he had a, a beginning, middle and end. Uh, those films gave me far more than I ever expected when we started out. So it's never even occurred to me to come back. My farewell was in episode nine and it was bittersweet. Uh, I love all those people and I certainly have affection for George and the character he created I'm full of gratitude for what it was given me in my career, but I don't want to be greedy. There are still so many more stories to tell and so many great actors to tell them they don't need me. So I think that's really, uh, it's sad in a way. It's um, it's sad in a way because it's one thing saying goodbye to Luke in the films. You know, that's one thing. But to hear Mark Hamill also say, you know, that's it, it's done. No more, no more Luke from me anyway, as Mark Hamill. Uh, so that's quite sad. Then he goes on to say, uh, I think they've done a wonderful, uh, I think they have a wonderful advantage on The Mandalorian in that it's uh, economical storytelling. They don't have the burden of delivering a gigantic special effects extravaganza like the films had to do. Uh, it sort of gets back to the basics of George envisioning it as a Western in space. It has that tone of Sergio Leone Western. I'm very impressed with it. And to me, a very smart move on their part because you can't keep trying to top it's like the superhero movies that have to deliver these gargantuan epics. And with The Mandalorian, they can concentrate more on the characters and the storytelling. I think it's excellent. And he makes a really good point there. Really good point because, as we all know, when we were going through the sequel trilogy, especially when The Force Awakens in the run-up to that release, massive amounts of pressure 
because everyone's expectations were so, so huge. You know, you know, this isn't just a film. This is a Star Wars film. And alongside, or, well, along with that, along, you know, along with being a Star Wars film, the expectations on the characters and the filmmaking process itself, how are they going to push visual effects this time around? Because that's what they've done. That's like part and parcel of Star Wars. It's like, how do they, how do they push the filmmaking process and do all that stuff? So he's absolutely right. And then as we were going through the sequels, it was huge. Like, and obviously culminating with um, the rise of Skywalker, you know, that has massive amounts of, 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 as Mark Hamill puts it, these gargantuan epics. So that's what the Mandalorian's got really. It doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to follow that. Oh my God, like week three of the Mandalorian. How, how are they ever going to top the huge, massive visual effects, you know, epic that we had, you know, they don't need to do any of that stuff. So he makes a really good point on that stuff. So, um, yeah. And anyone that's been watching the gallery, uh, that's so cool. So, uh, on Disney plus, there's a new series. I think they're up to part four or five now. Uh, it's called the gallery where they go behind the scenes and look at the, the making of the Mandalorian. It's very, very cool. Highly recommend that. Uh, they, they go through, I think part one was about the directors and stuff. Uh, we're on part four. One of the best ones is the technology side of things and how they did the giant video walls and ceilings, something called the volume, how they got, ah, oh, this looks so cool. Anyway, Mark Hamill, a big fan of the, of the Mandalorian and also saying goodbye, confirming once and for all, his version of Luke uh, is not coming back. Uh, moving on, Hayden Christensen is reportedly uh, up for coming back for the Obi-Wan Disney Plus series of all things, which is kind of cool. So this is not confirmed. This is not a, uh, this is not something that's from Disney or Lucasfilm, anything like that. But we know that obviously the Obi-Wan Kenobi live action series is in development at the moment at Disney Plus, which is due to come out next week. And uh, people have been asking, uh, will other characters um, that are relative to the Obi-Wan character be making a comeback. So there's a, a new uh, a rumor that's sort of doing the rounds. And uh, according to, uh, this is something called LRM, which is the uh, um, uh, LRM online. Uh, these guys have uh, apparently uh, said that the producers are in talks with Christensen to reprise the role. So, I mean, that's, well, that's kind of huge in itself because we had the whole kerfuffle with the rise of Skywalker and Mark and I spoke a few times about would Hayden come back as a younger Anakin, as a force ghost and all that stuff. And I think that rumor kind of ran away with itself a little bit and everybody was excited for that, but it didn't happen ultimately. And then we found out that actually it probably did because the previous version or the previous script included the big force ghost battle with with uh hayden's anakin and stuff but we didn't see that either so yeah i'm not sure how much weight this has got behind it and we have no idea what that role is i mean one would one would predict pretty confidently that it would be a a force ghost pre-vader 
for him to communicate with, but maybe not because another another little thread, another little thing that people have latched onto, which would be equally as cool in my opinion, is um, Obi-Wan not trying to communicate with a young Anakin as he remembers him, but more likely with Qui-Gon Jinn. So that sounds more like, because at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, we know obviously that uh, Vader, uh, sorry, Yoda said to to Obi Wan that uh, I'll teach you how to commune. So he said that Qui Gon Jinn has been talking to him from the Netherworld of the Force, and he'll teach Obi Wan how to do that. So it sounds more likely that it's a Qui Gon thing with the whole meditation, communicating with the Netherworld. But you never know. It might be one of those. Oh, oh. I was actually after Qui-Gon, Anakin, but you'll do for five minutes until he gets back sort of thing. I don't know. So anyway, apparently Hayden Christensen is in talks about coming back as Anakin. Possibly. I, we have no idea. It could be just, it could be even just be a, uh, an audio thing. He might not even appear. It could just be a, an audio track. We, we have no idea. But there we go. Hayden Christensen may be coming back. Uh, next up, uh, Ray's lightsaber actually had... Uh, a slightly bigger part in The Rise of Skywalker than what we actually saw. As you remember, at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, when she's back on Tatooine at the homestead, she shows us her newly constructed lightsaber, which is her in the shape of her staff, essentially, and it's got that really cool um, sort of circular on-off switch. Uh, but apparently, in the actual film, uh, it was going to be more than one shot. It was going to be a whole scene where... We saw Ray um, at a workbench looking at the Jedi texts and going through the motions of constructing and building her own her own lightsaber, which we ultimately saw at the end. And uh, but yeah, but it, it was cut like so many other things, apparently from 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 the Rise of Skywalker. It was cut, and uh, yeah, so this the the subplot that was apparently uh, in the works and potentially some of it was filmed was that she was unhappy that she didn't have her own lightsaber. She had Luke's lightsaber, but there was just something that niggled away at her because it wasn't really Ray's. It was, she just inherited that from Luke and it wasn't her own lightsaber. So she really wanted to make her own. And yeah, so that, that was the the crack with that one. But the, it, it would have been kind of cool to see that because one of the complaints about Ray's character was that she went from being a fairly uh a fairly uh what's the word what's the word i'm looking for um untrained very basic you know not really know not really knowing what's going on in terms of the force and not really knowing what the jedi are or anything like that so very um naive i think is the best word to put it she goes from being very naive and untrained and everything to very quickly becoming a very powerful force wielder i think that's one of the complaints it was like well hold on a minute you know it's uh we only sort of met her very recently in terms of the character and now all of a sudden she's flipping over tie fighters and she's you know doing all sorts of things so this would have been a really nice little insight into uh, you know it would have been a, a nice bit of character building for the for her it would have given us a bit of insight into what she was doing apart from doing all the flashy force stuff which she 
apparently picked up extremely quickly. <laughs> so, you know, that would have led into some of the stuff with Leia and all that stuff. But there we go. We could have seen a lot more of, of Ray developing her character a bit more and building the lightsaber. But uh, this comes from comicbook.com and the, uh, the, uh, the creative art manager over at Lucasfilm, Phil uh, Sostak, uh, put it on his Twitter feed that that's what they're, that's what they're reporting on. Uh, he's got some pictures of um, of the Kyber crystal uh, that Ray had gotten for her lightsaber and stuff. And uh, they already knew what color the blade was going to be and all that stuff. So it would have been really cool to see that. But alas, we didn't get to see that stuff. Uh, and lastly, Mark and I have reported over the few uh, past few weeks around the High Republic, which is the newer... Um, the new publishing um, program of stories that, is, that were uh, due to be released later on this year. But we've got a statement from Lucasfilm to say that that's now been pushed back for obvious reasons. So the word from Lucasfilm is that the new dates for the launch of Star Wars The High Republic uh, have been pushed back due to marketplace delays. Uh, the High Republic, Light of the Jedi, and the uh, A Test of Courage books are now pushed back to January 5th, 2021. Uh, Claudia Gray's young adult novel, uh, Into the Dark, uh, has been pushed back to February 2nd, 2021. Uh, new release dates uh, for Marvel, Star Wars, the High Republic series, and the IDW publishing uh, High Republic adventure series will be announced later. So that's the comic stuff. So the Marvel and the IDW stuff, that's the... Uh, the comic runs. There's no word on that yet, but they have been pushed back as well. And uh, just to remind you, in case you didn't know, uh, Lucasfilm has put some blurb out to say, uh, uh, High Republic is set in an era when the Galactic Republic and the Jedi Order are at their zenith, roughly 200 years before the events of The Phantom Menace. This period on the Star Wars timeline will not overlap any filmed or planned Star Wars movies or series giving creators a blank canvas and a vast amount of creative room. There will be new worlds, new foes, new heroes, and new adventures. So that's the that's the situation from Lucasfilm on the High Republic. We were due to get that stuff. I think it was somewhere between August and October they were going to start trickling those things out initially. Um, but yes, they've had to push that back. And then we've got a proper press release, press release from Michael uh, Siglane, who's the uh, the uh, creative director over at Lucasfilm Publishing. And he says, uh, uh, The High Republic is a massive interconnected cross-publisher initiative that will establish an all-new era of Star Wars storytelling. Uh, he says, Given the these unprecedented times, we have made the decision to move the launch to January 2021 to ensure that the launch is as grand and epic as it deserves to be. So there we go. Uh, those of you that were looking forward to the High Republic, you've got a little bit longer to wait. I think Mark and I were kind of in two minds about the High Republic, to be honest with you. I think I'm more up for it than he is, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I just don't think it's floating his boat at the moment due to how we've seen the initial stuff trickle through. But you never know. It could be cool. It could be cool. I'm quite looking forward to it just because I'm eager to get stuck into another era of Star Wars. And I think we'll wrap there for episode 58. Spark of
thank you so much guys for listening this week to episode 58 i appreciate you listening to me waffle on about uh, the empire strikes back and its 40th birthday and what it means to me and hopefully relating to some of you guys as well hopefully you guys feel the same about empire strikes back and also revenge of the sith at 15 thank you so much for putting up with the waffle the high republic coming later than we thought so you've got a bit more time to uh talk about the rumors and and all that stuff before that that lands hayden christensen may be coming to the obi-wan series and uh mark hamill saying goodbye uh, once and for all to luke skywalker's character sadly and uh and also ray who didn't just magic up out of the force her lightsaber she built it we just didn't see her build it but apparently she did so we might see it one day Maybe it will pop up as like a, as a, a deleted scene that they did for when they showed Luke building his lightsaber. I think that was a Return of the Jedi special features when they did re-release. Maybe we'll see it then. So until next week for episode 59, uh, remember to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcasts on or head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. You can link off to all of the popular podcast apps and networks there we'd love to have you as a subscriber we're on the socials too instagram twitter and facebook hit us up over there we chat plenty of star wars throughout the week and if you want to support the show if you like what we do here then head over to our patreon page which is over at patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion you can get yourself some sor swag there various tiers to jump on board go and check those out we'd love to have you as a supporter everything that we get through on patreon just goes straight back into the show uh, it covers all the tech stuff all the hosting all of that jazz to make sure we give you the best sounding show and uh, we've got some cool plans for uh, for our patrons and some social stuff moving forward so go and check that stuff out until next week take care of yourselves stay safe stay healthy and may the force be with you always <laughs> <laughs>